This is truly a special day in the life of our church. Today is Renewal Church's very first birthday. And so exactly one year ago today, we saw a church born, a church that God called and it came into existence. And so it's just amazing to think that this has been this incredible one year ride where we have seen God at work. And so today is a day of celebration where we stop and we just say thank you to our God for his faithfulness. Thank you to our God for giving us this privilege of being a part of this faith family. And so on this one year anniversary, I just want to share from my heart just for a second how over this year I've seen I've seen God do incredible things. I have seen those that were struggling in their faith walk in confidence. I have seen those that have been struggling with addiction to find freedom and have those chains just broken off. I have seen demons cast it out. I have seen prodigal sons and daughters come home back to the Father. I have seen people that have come from so much pain and hurt come and find healing. I have seen people filled with hope and find community and purpose in God. And so it has been just a remarkable year. We have seen God do what only He can do, the miraculous. And as we now mark off this one-year mark since God allowed us to plant this new church, I just want to remind you that it has been our God who has been sustaining us and leading us in the very beginning. From day one, this church has been about spreading God's renewal to Bell County and to the world. And we are just on the cusp to see what it is that God has in store for us. Even though we can't meet in person, we're doing the online thing in this quarantine season. God is still with us and he will continue to guide us in the years to come. So today we just stop and as a church and say thank you to our God. And thank you for the friendships that we get to enjoy together. So the theme for this Celebration Sunday is the good hand of God. We're going to get our minds around and meditate on what it means that we have a God who has a good hand upon us, who has been leading us this whole time. So we're going to ask two questions today on this one-year anniversary about the good hand of God. The first question is, what exactly is the good hand of God? And then second, we're going to ask, what does it look like when we're actually experiencing the good hand of God in our lives? So let's just jump in with question number one. On what exactly is the good hand of God? I want to show you from the book of Ezra. So if you had your Bibles, please turn there in the Old Testament. Let me give you some brief context as you look for Ezra in the Word. In 586 B.C., what happened is the, at the time, world superpower Babylon went into Jerusalem, descended upon the, the city, the capital of God's people, and they completely smashed the walls. They steamrolled the houses. They demolished the temple of God. They basically turned this amazing city and this wonder that was a temple and reduced it to a just heap of rubble. And the stench of death and cries of anguish filled the air. It was dark and really bleak. 
It was an incredibly difficult time in the history of God's people. Those that survived the onslaught were taken to Babylon, to modern-day Iraq, to live out their lives as exiles. And even though they experienced his judgment because of their own rebellion, nonetheless, this was severe suffering. In the middle of that, God had a plan. Because God has always had a plan. His plan has always been and always will be to gather a people, a resurrected, redeemed, made new people who treasure Jesus and who will worship him together for eternity. And God was unfolding his plan and he revealed the next step in his redemptive plan in 539 BC when there was a new world power. When the, when the kingdom of Persia defeated Babylon and took control of the known world, all of the Middle East, all the way up to Turkey, extending even to Africa, was this vast Persian empire. And when it took over the known world, God was at work through that. See, God was not surprised. God had a purpose and his good hand could be seen through even the working in human history. Because God had already promised through the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah that one day he would restore his people back to the promised land. That he would restore the temple and that he would restore the hearts of the people back to him. Let's read Ezra chapter 1, just the first few verses, verses 1, 2, and 3. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in writing. So you see, the Lord stirred. The Lord was at work in the king of Persia. Verse 2. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, the, the temple, the house of God. It says, which is in Judah, whoever is among you, all of his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. So did you catch that? God uses this pagan king to send God's people back to the promised land and to rebuild the temple. And what's really astounding is if you keep reading in, in Ezra 1, you see how the king financed it. He paid for the rebuilding of the temple. And so you see the good hand of God that was already at work and orchestrating events behind the scenes, his invisible hand was at work. Now, if you keep reading, there were many challenges. It was very hard and took many years. But eventually, they did rebuild the city. They rebuilt their houses. They planted crops. They did rebuild the temple and worshiped once again in the house of God. And yet, the people's hearts were still not restored back to God. Their hearts were still far from God. They were still desperate for the renewal that only God can bring. And so God raised up a leader named Ezra. He was a priest. And 
the plan of God was to, to use this leader who taught the word Ezra to lead the people to have their hearts rekindled and restored and renewed back to their God. So let's read about the prophet, not prophet, the priest rather, Ezra, in Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given the king, granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. So he's called a scribe. He's called a priest earlier and also later in this chapter. But here he's described as a scribe who says he's skilled in the word. And it says that the king granted him all that he needed to go back to Jerusalem. It says, because the hand of the Lord his God was on him. God had a plan to restore his people. You keep reading in verse 9. It says, for on this first day of the month, he began to go up from Babylonia. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. For the good hand of his God was on on him. There's the same phrase repeated that they made this journey from modern day Iran and they traveled all the way to Jerusalem. And that was not a safe journey. It was filled with peril. It was dangerous. There were enemies and ambushes that were always a threat. And yet it says because God's hand was on Ezra, they made the trip safely. Now, Chapter 7, let's keep reading in verse 27 and 28. Again, here in Ezra 7, verse 27, it says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of our fathers, who put such a thing as this into the heart of the king. You're like, well, what did God put in his heart? It says, to beautify the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. So, so earlier chapter 7 describes how this new king, Artaxerxes, had given just incredible wealth to Jerusalem. He says to beautify, to adorn the temple. And so again, a pagan king is giving of his resources to bless the people of God and to glorify God through a temple that was going to be just absolutely wonderful and beautified. And so it says that the Lord put this on the king, that it was God who stirred in the heart's king to bless God and his people. And it says in verse 28, and who extended to me his steadfast love before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty officers. This is awesome. I took courage for the hand of the Lord my God was on me. And I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. So this is describing when he was going to leave Persia and travel, that it says that the good hand of the Lord was on him. He says, so I took courage. So Ezra was brave and he was bold. He was, he was emboldened. He took courage because God's hand was on him. And chapter 8 describes how truly dangerous this journey was. And let's just fast forward to verse 21. So Ezra 8, verse 21. Then I, I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. 
says, For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to practice against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, The hand of our God is for good and all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. So he didn't ask the king for help. He didn't go to the king and say, I need your resources. I need, I need a, a, a military escort. No, they sought God. They prayed. They humbled themselves. They fasted and they were brave because it says they knew the hand of God was on them. And in verse 31, towards the end of this chapter, it says, that when they got to Jerusalem, it says, because the hand of our God was on us and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. So God protected them and then he delivered them to Jerusalem. And it says, because the hand of our God was on us. They were able to accomplish what God had called them to do. So what exactly is the good hand of God that you see repeated over and over in Ezra 7 and 8, this incredible theme that I believe applies to New in church? What exactly is it? Well, when we're talking about the good hand of God, I'll give you a word for it. It's called providence. So the providence of God is the good hand of God. So, so the word providence comes from the word provide. And it really is a Latin word that has two parts, pro and vide. We pronounce it vide. And so pro means that you're for something. That's what the word means. So, for example, as believers, we are pro-life because we are for life. And the word vide means to see. So Video, video in Spanish, it's a Latin word. So vida means sight, why we have the word video. And so for seeing. And so this is what you see is God is for us and he sees. Now, some people have talked about this as, oh, this is describing God who has foresight and he's looking down the portals of history and of future history because God stands outside of time and space. And so God simply sees the future. He knows what we're going to do. And so that's what providence means. But that is not what the Bible describes. The Bible does not ever describe God as being passive. God is not described in the Bible as simply watching and seeing what just plays out. What you see in in Ezra 7 and 8 is a God who is active, a God who is working out His will for His own pleasure, for His own glory, for our blessing. And so we try to understand this. What this means is that when God sees, He acts. He's not passive. He is active. So what providence means is that God sees and He takes action. He's moved to bless, to like we just saw, to protect and to provide and to deliver. God doesn't miss anything. He sees with perfect vision. Nothing escapes him. 
He's not this absent-minded father who's too busy. Like sometimes we as human dads can be busy or we can miss things with our kids. Not so with the Father in heaven. He's always there, always present. He sees all and he is moved to action to provide because he is the sovereign. He is the king. And so the providence of God is rooted in the sovereignty of God who is in complete control over all things. He is sovereign over us, and He is working everything according to His will. Like we saw in Ezra 7.27, that God put it on the heart of the Persian king. Like we saw in Ezra 1.1, that God stirred in the heart of the king. This is God at work. So let me give you a theological definition of, of God's good hand of providence. The almighty and everywhere present power of God where, as it were, by his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth. So he upholds heaven and earth, says, with all creatures. And so governs them that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and, and sickness. So yes, COVID-19. So health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. This is the providence of God, that everything in our lives, that God has a fatherly hand where he is at work and is moved to bless. And so how does this impact you and me today, particularly in this difficult quarantine season? Well, it means, first of all, that we can rest. We cannot panic or freak out, but just rest knowing that our God is in control. It also means that we can be thankful that even when things are hard, there are blessings and there is fruit even in the challenges. It means that we can be confident that because our God loves us, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it means that we can be confident even when things are challenging or just really not desirable because God has providential care. His good hand is at work in our lives. And so we can just trust him and be at work how he calls us. And so what exactly is the good hand of God? It is the providence of God in our lives. Question two, what does it look like to actually experience the good hand of God? Well, providence is seen most clearly through the gospel. And so the supernatural birth, the perfect life, the sacrificial death and victorious resurrection of Jesus is the providence of God. That is God's good hand. If not for Jesus, we'd have no hope. So all of our blessings that we get from God's hand are blood-bought gifts through Jesus on the cross. And so what we need most is Jesus. And so God saw our need and he took action. That's divine providence. And we experience this joy. We experience God's good hand when we don't rebel against it, when we joyfully submit to him. And so I'll give you a word, surrender. When we surrender to God's good hand, we experience the blessings that come from there versus resisting and wanting to do things our own way. It leads us to treasure Jesus and to trust him. And when we treasure and we trust Jesus, it leads to obeying him. Thus, obedience flows from a deeply treasuring and trusting of God. So what does someone's life look like 
when we are submitting ourselves and we're just like Jesus saying, Father, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What does it look like when, when we're experiencing God's good hand? Let me just give you three brief characteristics of what our lives look like when we're really submitted to God and enjoying His presence and we're really living under the good hand of God. One characteristic is it's evidenced by a burning for God. And so when we have a heart that burns for God, that's evidence that we are joyfully being led by the hand of God. It says in verse 10, we read verse 9, but Ezra 7.10 is a beautiful verse. It says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. It says that he set his heart to study the word, to do it, and to teach it. He had a heart that burned for Jesus. He yearned for Jesus. He yearned for the glory of God. And so what you see in Ezra is absolutely magnificent. You see a hunger for God and for his word. And the response is affection for him. You know, when, when God called me to plant Renewal Church, I loved this verse for many years. And, and it was one that I prayed over myself and for this future church. I prayed, God, will you, will you make me have a heart that is set to study your word and to do it and to teach others? And by God's grace, this is what I yearn to do week in, week out. And I pray that we will be a church that has that same heart that burns for Jesus, that burns to study His Word and to do it and to teach others. And it's been such a joy, such an honor to be part of this church for this last year, seeing a people that care about the glory of Jesus more than the comforts of this world. And so renewal, may our hearts on this one-year anniversary... May our hearts burn for Jesus. That's what it looks like. Second characteristic, what it looks like to be under the hand of God is a boldness for God. So a burning for God, but also a boldness. So what you see with, with Ezra, it said in 728, it says, I took courage for the hand of the Lord was on me. He took courage. God called him and he was brave and he went forward with faith with bravery and boldness. He wasn't afraid or shrinking back. God's providence causes us to have our fears just evaporate. God's providence propels us to go forward and take action to follow God. God did not bring you from life to death and to give you His Spirit to empower you so that you can just sit there on the sidelines. God did not make you new so that you can be stagnant in your faith and, and not be active in His kingdom or bored or just checking religious boxes. God gave you life in His Spirit so that you can have this boldness for Him and do whatever He's calling you to do. And I have seen over this year so many of you that have come out of your comfort zone and have done things that you never, never thought you would do, never thought you could do, and yet you have been stretched 
to experience life on purpose in community and serving our God and reaching our community. And so I'm so excited, so proud of so many of you. And yet we can't be complacent. And the question still is left for us to answer is, is God calling you to do something, to go be bold for him? Are you? Are you, are you holding back in some way? Or are you being brave? His providence makes us bold. Number three, lastly, the good hand of God is evidenced by a brilliance of God. So what happens is his glory is brilliant and God's providence allows us to display his glory, to display his, his brilliance by our transformed lives. And so I pray that it would be a church that just burns for God and that is bold for God and that displays the brilliance of God. This is what we're about as a church. And serving as your pastor has been such a joy and one of the absolute greatest privileges that I've ever had in my life. And this whole season has been so hard. The not seeing you has been so hard because I miss you and I love you and I, I miss hugging and and shaking hands and worshiping with you and laughing with you and doing setup on Sunday mornings with you and breaking bread with you and praying together. It's been, it's been really hard and my soul has just ached because we're not together and yet I take courage because the hand of our God is upon us. We have hope. We still have a purpose in our God, and we still have each other. And Renewal Church, I know today is one year, but we're just getting started. There is so much more that God wants for us. Our best days are before us, not behind us. We want to see more people transformed by the gospel. We want to see more lives experience His renewal. More people come to know Christ. We want to see more people set free. More of God's glory and presence to enjoy together. There is so much more that God has for us. May we not be complacent. May we be bold. and May we burn for Him and display His glory brilliantly for the praise of God his name.